Hey there, college football fans. You are listening to the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. My name is Scott Duvall. And today, before we start the show, I wanted to introduce a very special guest, the head ball coach himself, Steve Spurrier. Coach, thanks for spending some time with me. I guess we'll jump right in. Last Saturday night, Georgia took y'all behind the woodshed and gave the Gamecocks an old-fashioned butt whipping in Sanford Stadium. What do you mean? <laughs> well, you were there. The dogs ran up 576 yards of offense and beat y'all 52-20. to No, 52-20 is what we beat FSU. Coach, I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but perhaps at some point you did beat FSU 52-20, to and congratulations on that. But I'm referring to the Georgia-South Carolina game that took place last Saturday night. Yeah, but that was 52-17, wasn't it? <laughs> okay, I'll give you half credit on your answer. Georgia scored 52, that is correct, but don't shortchange yourselves. The Gamecocks scored 20 points. A lot of people's put 52 on us lately. Right. I guess that explains your 1-2 and two record so far this year. What do you mean? Uh, coach, I shouldn't be the one to have to tell you this, but your team, the University of South Carolina Gamecocks, have only won one game, and in my humble opinion, I'm not sure it's going to get much better. Hard to imagine we beat these guys. Uh, coach, y'all lost. The dogs won. I know you hate losing to Georgia, I really do, but sometimes it's just better to open up and be honest with yourself. Level with me here. What do you think South Carolina's true issues are with not being able to win football games? Well, we got to find uh, you know, some players that uh, can tackle. Hey, good start. Tackling would help, because your team didn't even attempt to tackle Nick Chubb or Sonny Michelle all night long. I don't think we made any in the fourth half. Uh, fourth half? Coach, I'm sorry it sounds like I keep correcting you, but there are two halves in football and four quarters. Now, it sounds to me like you're just making stuff up like my five-year-old does. That's got to be wrong. Hey, I don't make the rules, but you know what? I'm in a good mood today, obviously. So whatever makes you happy, I'll go with. Does that sound good? Huh? Whoa, (laughs) never mind. Changing gears here. My co-host, Tony, says y'all used to play competitive kickball in a church league down in Florida back in the 90s. What do you remember about hanging out with Tony? Uh, well, he's been around. Perry's been around. Uh, no, his name's Tony. Tony Waller. Do you remember him? He's a buddy of mine. Oh, cool. Now we're on the same page. So what do you remember about those kickball days? Surely you and Tony were dominating the Gainesville Church Leagues, weren't you? We weren't very good. Oh, man. Sorry to keep bringing up bad memories. What do you think the issue was on why you weren't very good? Was Tony not as good as he claims to be at kickball? Things of that nature. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. And I can tell you're not too keen on talking about the past right now. But Tony did show me y'all's league participation trophy for kickball. And he told me yours got broken right after the year in banquet. Unfortunately, that happens all the time. All the time? Who breaks a trophy? My kids have trophies all over the house. They're like luggage. You can't get rid of them. And mainly they end up being used as Play-Doh molds or bookends for all their overdue library books. But we've never broken one of them before. I think you're holding back some information. Well, yeah, one of our guys gave their guy a sheriff. Mm-hmm. I see. And then did you take things a little too far, and that's what got your kickball trophy broken? Yeah, I did, actually. Steve, can I call you Steve? Steve, we all make mistakes. They got mouthy there right in the, in the fourth quarter. Steve, ease up. It's cool. You probably mean the fourth inning, don't you? No, nevertheless. You know what? I think we're getting down to the real reason that your team, South Carolina— it's just not very good this year. You're holding on to those painful memories when yours and Tony's kickball team was the laughing stock of the church leagues. It's okay. Here, take my son's old flag football trophy. You can pretend it's your old participation one. Does that make you feel a little bit better? All right. Hey, Time Heels, cheer up. You've got 0-3 Central Florida coming in this week to Williams-Brice Stadium. They just lost to Furman this past weekend. No pressure to beat them at home this week. National championship game. Is that what you're talking about? No. <laughs> No, Steve, but think that if it makes you feel better. Oh, gosh, look at the time. 
I only have time for about one more question about the Georgia-South Carolina game this past weekend, and then I'm going to have to cut you loose if that's okay. Give me one final thought about what you're going to remember about your trip to Sanford Stadium and Georgia beating the Gamecocks by 32 points on Saturday night. We got clobbered. And? Georgia's that good? There you go. See, Steve, isn't that great? You've admitted it. You'll find that once you face your fears, you can start to rebuild, and maybe... As the year progresses. (laughs) You took the words right out of my mouth. Maybe as the year progresses, South Carolina will win a couple more football games. What do you think? We'll try to make some changes and be competitive next week. Great attitude, Coach. Now get out there this week and make George O'Leary wish he'd never left Notre Dame for that Central Florida job. Oh, and I'll make sure to tell Tony you said hello. He's an excellent kicker. (laughs) Okay, random. I bet he is. I'll pass that compliment along to Tony. But I've got to run and produce this podcast. One last question. Can I count on you to listen to future episodes of Waiting Since Last Saturday? Yeah, it's a good chance. That's awesome. I appreciate it. And just so you know, I've always admired you, even though you've never coached a team I've pulled for. I suppose this will be the last time we speak on this podcast, huh? No, I hope to come back many times. You got yourself a deal. Pinky swear on it? Huh? Never mind. We're not very good right now. Save it for the film room, coach. Sorry to cut you off, but we are way short on time. Tony, Will, and I will drop some plays and send them out to you. I think they'll help you out. I'm open to suggestions. And there you have it, my interview with Coach Spurrier shortly after the Dogs beat the Gamecocks on Saturday evening. And now, here's our week three postgame show with my co-hosts Will Leach and Tony Waller. Take it away, Will. All right, guys, as you know, my major concern coming into this week was the quarterback position, whether George was even going to be able to survive with this wretched, outclassed at Virginia messed up quarterback they have and he throws that not only throws a perfect game but almost throws like literally almost an actual perfect game and it's funny even the incomplete pass that Grayson Lambert threw was a smart out of the end zone pass that led to another touchdown he was absolutely perfect yesterday and the offense on the whole was perfect but he in particular that's what Rick was talking about well you're a baseball fan right I I am this was the closest thing to a a 16th and strikeout never got to, you know, never got to anything worse than a two and O count for a pitcher. I mean, it, there was nothing Lambert did yesterday that went wrong. I mean, we can nitpick. He missed. I mean, he, he It's hard to nitpick when you when you throw, you, you go 96. percent I mean, he. There were a couple times where there were guys deep open that he actually made a little tougher throw for the guarantee throw. But oh my gosh, beyond that and Schottenheimer. What a game he called. Good gracious, was he ever in... It's like he had the South Carolina playbook, defensive playbook. It's crazy. But yeah, you know, it's funny, even at the beginning, Tony, I think it's interesting that you say that about uh, Lambert uh, not throwing some deep throws. Because also, like, he'd still... Like at the beginning of the game, he still was a little hesitant, and he still like took a like a half a step longer, and then all of a sudden, everything just clicked. And you're right; I still feel like he is. He's hesitant to throw deep, and uh, even if it's there. But I don't know if that's the worst instinct for him to have. If he's constantly looking, like all we really need out of him is to do. You don't have to have what he does yesterday, but he has to be respected as a passer. And I have to say, after yesterday, it's hard to imagine anyone not respecting him as a passer. It's almost like the game slowed down for him after those first two or three plays, which I'm glad you made that point because he, I mean, he did a great job of looking off guys down the middle. I mean, he just—he was. A, I mean, it's not hard to say. He was a different quarterback, particularly after the first series 
than he was against Vanderbilt. Now, I, I still think it's possible to say that Vanderbilt's defense is better than South Carolina's <laughs> defense, but I don't think it's substantively better. Put it this way, I don't think it's 140 yards and, you know, what, 50% better? 50% uh, completion percentage better? So. Yeah, and I think another thing that he did well, actually Coach Schottenheimer did well, they, he started off with the short throws, you know, just out to the flats. And then, I don't know if y'all noticed, I'm sure he did, I think everybody knows, Malcolm Mitchell with eight receptions for 122 yards, he was aggressive. He was just fighting for those balls. It seemed like every ball he caught, he was snatching it away from anybody else's chance to get it. You know, there were defenders close by. and he, It's almost like what I try to teach my boys when I'm throwing the trying to teach them how to properly catch a football in the yard. I'm like, catch it with your hands away from your body. That's exactly what Malcolm Mitchell was doing. And if you notice, Reggie Davis only had three receptions. All three of his catches were huge, especially the one where he got knocked silly out of the sideline, got a foot down by about the 40-yard line near the Georgia bench. Everything was great. Everything was perfect in the, in the passing game. Yeah, I also love, too, that it was another Nick Chubb, 189-yard, two-touchdown game. He's like the sixth thing that everybody's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like yeah, a t- I, was, I was just about to say the same thing. You know, the passing game was so spectacular yesterday that you just totally overlooked that our, our running game was, oh, ho-hum, 248 yards or 46 yards, 6.5 yards per carry, four rushing touchdowns. You know, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. And it was... One of the things that I thought was really exciting about that game yesterday, too, the success that they were having on offense was infectious. Not that the defense was playing bad, but, you know, Scott, I, I sit next, next to you uh, during the game, and we were just commenting, man, in that fourth quarter, every Georgia defensive hit was violent, and they were flying all over the place. I think that the thing that people have been wondering about this team is, uh, obviously, is the quarterback play going to work? But once, when he, for him to have a game like yesterday, just energized everyone, and I think you could, you could tell people on both sides of the ball that they could tell, like, well, we may actually have something truly special this year if he's able to pull off something like this. Yeah, that defense was nothing short of amazing, and it kind of fed on the whole team. The crowd was rowdy. The offense was rowdy. I think for me, I don't know if you noticed it, Will or Tony, but the signature moment for me was Trent Thompson when he got in, like, in the fourth quarter. He tackled, I don't know if it was the quarterback or the running back, but he flattened him so much it was almost like when Mario would jump on a mushroom in the Super Mario games like you didn't see him he just pancaked him so bad and then gets up and celebrates with his teammates my two boys and my wife were there and I turned to them after I was telling Will that was one of the most fun games that I've witnessed in Sanford Stadium just with the atmosphere alone yeah I think the atmosphere uh, I thought the place was going to come unhinged when they uh when we tried the pooch kick and recovered it <laughs> I'm going to the um the game right now. I wanted to get to that point and see if we really were offsides because it seems like a really weird place to call an offsides. And there, <laughs> we could spend all thirty minutes talking about officiating last night, but it was pretty interesting to me that you're up fifty-two to twenty and you're pooch kicking. That's Coach Mark Rick and, and Will. We've we, it's kind of been a theme for us. We've talked about how he's all in. He's this is a different look, and that's a completely different thing. Uh, Fair Bryant would have never tried that. <laughs> yeah. Never, ever, ever. I have way expecting to take a timeout on that last drive. I really did. <laughs> I really did. And just like Ramsey is playing, playing. And who would have ever thought that we would have seen Bryce Ramsey come in in a supporting role as a punter? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's just hard for me to get my head around. Yeah, and you know, it's funny too because the way they were rolling, and and this kind of brings me to my next thing, which is the subplot of Spurrier at that game last night. It almost feels I don't I know Rick would have not gone for two, but he was it was almost in that kind of mode if they would have done it because you know you talked it was funny funny after the game Spurrier you know he said that we get our butts kicked it was very clear just how much Georgia was better but it was very funny because of course someone asked him a question like wow so what do you think about the fact that Georgia put up 52 on you because of course that is the famous number that he put up at Florida at Sanford Stadium and he had to point out he's like well you know we scored 20 and back then, they only scored 17. Like, yeah. it's just like Spurrier, <laughs> even to the end, he's an ass. <laughs> well, yeah, that, well, you know, you can't, you can't knock the straps off a zebra. I mean, that's just what, that's what you get. My favorite part was him wandering aimlessly around the, like, almost willfully not walking off the field. It really felt like to me, I got tweeted this last night that, you know, I totally expected him to walk in with an actual microphone, drop it, and walk out from his press conference. And... It felt like to me he was looking for somebody to retire to. Yeah. It really did. And he's just wandering around for a good two minutes after the game was over. And normally after you sh- did the handshake and do your obligatory post-game press conference, press you know, duties on the sideline, the visiting coaches, especially when you get your tail whipped the way he did, you get out of there. And he was just yeah. I mean, he was wandering around aimlessly. And it was clear security detail had no idea what he was doing. So <laughs> they were like, I mean, they were kind of like, I was watching the two safe troopers. They were looking at each other and almost like in confusion. It was, it was a surreal moment. And, and I'm with you, Scott. And this ranks up there with the LSU game. I wasn't at the Auburn blackout game, but I have to think it's very similar to that. Just the, the energy and the crazy, like, I can't, I think we were all almost in shock that this happened even though we all conceptually knew we had a much better football team. But the fact that Steve Spurrier came to Athens and not just got out-talented, he got out-coached and badly out-coached. And I don't think you can underestimate how important that is to the psyche of whatever the psyche is. I mean, it's just crazy. The other person that I can't believe we haven't mentioned yet is Sonny Michelle with eight rushes for 51 yards and a touchdown. And then he comes in with three receptions for 32 yards and two touchdowns. I don't think of him as just a tailback. He was the more heavily recruited tailback, kind of like how Keith Marshall was the more heavily recruited tailback to Todd Gurley. But to me, Sonny Michelle is developing into this role of like how Percy Harvin was. Tony, does it not take you back to like those uh, classic all-purpose guys like uh, David Palmer from Alabama or like I mentioned, Percy Harvin? It seems like every great team has one of those guys, and I think Sony Michelle is that for us. Yeah, and, his, and not just Sony Michelle. We have Isaiah McKenzie who got the jet sweep early. But I want to talk for a second about Sony. Sony is is definitely a guy you could send deep, but nearly every one of his receiving yards were either bubble screens or kind of like tunnel screens underneath, quick underneath stuff that he went and just made something happen out of. And having a dynamic playmaker that really is a yin to to Nick Chubb's yang is really, really important because it makes it just that much harder for defenses to figure out what to do with these guys if they're both on the field at the same time, which didn't happen nearly as much as I thought would. Um, if they're both on the field at the same time, you really have – I mean, you, you just have some choice, some hard choices you have to make defensively. We're talking so much about the offense. The, the defense really played spectacularly well, and we talked a little bit about their energy. I mean, we had 20 guys that had multiple tackles. 20 guys that had multiple tackles. We gave up 20 points. One touchdown was against, I guess, you want to say the second string or whatever, the nine freshmen playing at one time. 
uh, defensively, and that's where that, that the last South Carolina score came in. But we were just all over the place, and the interception was really just a heads up. I'm going to. I mean, it was a perfect safety interception. He was just playing center field on a, a ball that was rushed a little bit, and he just was in the right place. But other than a couple of like really nitpicky special teams uh, kick coverage issues, it was just a complete team win. And it's crazy how the, I keep using the term crazy because it's been impossible for me to fathom that we will play this good of a football game after seeing what we did last week. And I think that's the sentiment a lot of people share this morning. You know, it's it's worth noting too, button up and finish up on Spurrier. You know, I wrote a column for Sports on Earth this week that I got mocked by Spencer Hall <laughs> about because I wrote basically saying it was, the column was like a speculative, like, is this the end of the line for Spurrier? Like, this felt like his last stand in a lot of ways because not only has he been really been struggling, but Georgia has been the team that he usually does so well against and, and takes such joy in defeating as we've discussed. And it felt like if he could not make a good showing here, it's hard to see what's next for him. I mean, I, you look at their schedule, four and eight is a possibility, a very real possibility uh, for them this year. And it's funny, it's, it's a pretty telling thing. That's why I like this image that, that you kind of uh, painted, uh, Tony, of Spurrier walking around kind of aimlessly. It's always a bad sign when at your post-game press conference, someone asks you, do you think this was your last game at Sanford Stadium? <laughs> and he actually, of course, he said, oh, no, I plan to be back here plenty of times. But it, boy, it, it didn't feel like that yesterday. No, and you just look over their schedule. I mean, I mean, maybe Missouri game after seeing what they did yesterday. Maybe the Vanderbilt game, you would think certainly Citadel, but I don't see any like for sure easy outs after that. And have LSU. I guess UCF is a is a is oh yeah they lost to Furman yesterday. Never mind. Let's make it four easy outs. <laughs> um, but you know Clemson, no Florida, and eh, who knows Tennessee, no Texas A and M, no LSU, no. That's going to be hard for him. The hard part about Steve Spurrier is that as hard as it was for him to walk away from the Redskins after two seasons. It's going to be really hard for him to walk away after a four and eight season. Now he may not be given the choice, especially if he, if you know, I don't know. It'd be hard to think that they would run him off, but they could Mac Brown him and make it very, um, make it very clear that it might now might be a great time for him to go somewhere else. I tell you what, it was fun, and I'm not. I see Spurrier absolutely should go down as one of the greatest college football coaches of all time, and that's a really hard thing for me to say. <laughs> but I also have to admit. I never have a hard time with him not feeling good about how his team is, especially when we make it happen. Yesterday was a pretty fascinating day in the SEC across the board. I also, you know, it's funny, we, we were discussing at the tailgate yesterday of what time we think the Alabama game might be. And I think 3.30 is probably when it is, even I think even with what happened yesterday. But I was realizing, too, I can't imagine, I, you guys have been here a long time, I, they've never started a game at 9.15, Right, like it's hard to imagine getting if they were to get that nine fifteen slot for something because that Mississippi Alabama game. I was still up because I stay, I sit up and not, my voice is a little scratchy because I had a I stayed up a little later than I probably should have last night. But that game was over at one fifteen. It was yeah. over at one fifteen in the morning. So for those that stay up and watched it and say, and Alabama, like it wasn't actually as close as that score looked. Like, it was 30-10 to 10 at the end of the third quarter in Mississippi. Alabama made a little run, and Mississippi made, had a turnover that helped them happen. But Mississippi won that game, I frankly think, pretty handily, which I'm not sure we've seen that that often in the SEC. I'm curious what you guys think about 
what this means for the Alabama game going forward, what Florida kind of handling Kentucky pretty easily, what Missouri looking rough. To me, I still feel like Tennessee is maybe Florida, but really Tennessee is still the only kind of competition in the SEC East. But I'm curious what you guys think of what happened in the SEC yesterday and what kind of that uh, means moving forward. I woke up at about 1 o'clock. I had the TV on. I heard the roar, and it kind of woke me up. And I looked at my clock, and I was I was almost just more aggravated. I'm like, I can't believe this game is still going on. And, you know, if you notice, like, the last, what, 20 minutes, 25 minutes of that Alabama Ole Miss game, they weren't even taking commercials. So I'm like, ESPN, come on, you, you start this at 9.15, and now you can't even run commercials because even you realize how ridiculously late this is, even for central time zone. But to answer your question, well, I think that's kind of just a central time zone thing. I've never seen – a South Carolina home game, a Georgia home game, a Tennessee home game start at 9-15, but nothing would surprise me. But I really think that with Alabama losing, this might bump us to like a 6 o'clock kickoff or a 7-30 kickoff, um, which I'd be fine with. I really like the 3-30 kickoff, but I don't know who else plays that weekend. I haven't looked at the schedule, yeah, but the, I wouldn't be surprised. Game, the only game it could be would be Ole Miss at Florida. They're but, both 3-0. Well, there you go. That would be a 3-30, yeah. I'd still think it's Alabama-Georgia at yeah. 30 even yeah, you know, sense. with Ole Miss winning last week, it does throw a little bit of that in. But I mean, Florida, fourteen to nine, and yeah, it wasn't as close as fourteen to nine, but still a fourteen to nine win on the road. If they were to pick that game up, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. I think you're right. I still think Alabama, Georgia for the three thirty game. I think maybe um, maybe if Florida Florida plays Tennessee next week. If Florida beats Tennessee next week, I could see yeah, Mississippi. Yeah, I, I guess they could throw a six day yeah. option out there. I didn't yeah. think of that, but it would be. Yeah, I guess it's possible. Were you aggravated at the time when you looked at the clock, Tony, and you realized, like, wow, you know, my kids are going to get up in like five hours, you know, because they don't <laughs> they don't realize it. I mean, I was just annoyed with it. I don't I don't get oh, it. No, no. Let me be clear. Let me be clear. I, I wanted to stay up for the game, but after um, after they scored that first touchdown to start of the third quarter, when it, it was like a triple ricochet and the receiver ran <laughs> six yards, I'm like, okay. Mississippi's going to win this game. I mean, there's no telling how they're going to win it, but it's clearly, clearly Hugh Freeze. Who I was, let me be clear, I was very wrong about that game, and in both the, the dirty, the dirty Nick Saban dreams, and also <laughs> Hugh Freeze, uh, Tom Creamface. But um, <laughs> the, the let's be very, let's be very clear. Hugh Freeze was going to stun, stolen Gus Malzahn's uh, voodoo doll. Yeah, that they had. There was not a single break in that game that yeah. didn't go their way. I mean, I, and, and I'm not saying that Mississippi played poorly. I think they outplayed. Outplayed Alabama, absolutely outplayed Alabama, uh, which rarely happens. But I mean, they had. There was just one example of the craziness that happened. I mean, there were so many times when when Kelly was, you thought, okay, well they're going to they're going to get him here now, and oh well, no, he 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 slips away, and oh my gosh, he side armed it like mm-hmm. up under the linebacker's arm, and there just happened to be a tight end laying on the ground right where the ball was going to hit. I mean, it was just nuts. Would you say that now Gus Malzahn stole? Hugh Freeze's Tom Green face after yesterday's uh, game against LSU? Well, I, I, I do love the vodka look of, of Gus Malzahn when he has no answers. There's a, <laughs> there's a certain ethereal quality to that. Well, I, I, it was fascinating to me. Like You, you look at the top, because I wondered if Georgia, the polls haven't come out yet, but I wondered if Georgia was going to sneak in the top five. After this win, I'm not sure they're going to, if just because I think they'll pump Mississippi. I, I, I could see them 
pushing Mississippi, winning at Alabama. I can see them pushing them up in the top five. I can see putting Notre Dame in the top five. I'm not sure Georgia gets in the top five this week, but it is kind of crazy to think that Georgia is going to be the higher-ranked team when they play Alabama in two weeks, substantially so. Yeah, and the Amway coaches poll absolutely just came out. This is recording this right at 12.50 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. The Amway coaches poll came out just a few minutes ago, and Georgia was six. Six. Yeah. Mm. So is Mississippi right. – what, what are the five? Yeah, yeah they're fifth. It's Ohio State first, TCU second, which TCU, they didn't yeah. look great today either. Michigan State is third. Baylor is fourth. Uh, Mississippi is fifth. Now, who would have thought at the beginning of the season uh, that you would have two Big Ten, two Big 12 teams – uh, one, two, three, and four. But yeah, those things will sort themselves out. And then Georgia is six, and we're actually we're only thirty points behind Ole Miss. Uh, and there's a fairly decent separation between Georgia and Florida State at, at seventh, uh, over 150 points. So, or at 150 points. That and that's um, you know, that that doesn't surprise me that Ole Miss moved up because Alabama really was you know. That that means something. Of course, Alabama only drops to twelve. Twelve. I was going to ask. Only Alabama drops was. to twelve. Yeah, but you know they they lost a game at home. And it was only it was only to the number five team. Yeah. So, the, another thing that surprised me, and I'll be honest about this: Oregon staying at thirteenth after giving up how many points to Georgia State? Yeah, Georgia State. Yeah, Georgia State. Here's here's your transit property. Georgia State lost to Charlotte in Charlotte's first ever FBS game. And yesterday, Charlotte lost to Middle Tennessee. They gave up 73 points to Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee State. So that's not quite uh, – I think Georgia State's not good. That's really where I'm going with that. <laughs> um, so, all right, well, now ne- – so moving on next week, obviously it's going to be an easier thing. We get, every, we get a little bit of a breather after that before uh, Alabama. But I will say – you know, no one was more concerned. I was very concerned not only by the quarterback, but how the quarterback was going to go against Alabama. It's not like Alabama suddenly just that loss made them something other than Alabama. Like, they're still Alabama. That's still a scary game. But certainly it's hard to come up with two sets of circumstances. Alabama losing at home and Lambert playing like that, that would ease one's mind going into that game in two weeks. I think that that's, a, that's absolutely the best way of looking at it is, you know, I certainly hope that, the coaches can find enough out there. That last week was the kind of game where you you take away and you really hammer on the players. You know, we're not all there yet. We're not all there yet. And we put together the kind of game where someone walking out of the stadium and told me, it's like, yeah, oh, now now I'm just looking for the inevitable, inevitable letdown game. I, you know, I don't – maybe it's just average on my part and I'm going to knock on wood, but I don't see that happening this year. I just really don't. I don't know why. I just don't. But Alabama's going to come here loaded for bear because – their season literally hinges on this Georgia game. Yeah. Georgia can lose this game and still get, still meet every single goal they want to meet. Alabama can't. Alabama loses this game. There is zero possibility of them playing for the college football playoff. There is, at the best, 5% possibility of them playing for the SEC championship, especially with, with a team in the West already with a, a win up on them. Um, they are going to be absolutely just against the wall. And I'm fine with that because they, they look like they have – way more trouble as a quarterback than Georgia does. But we, while I was going about that, we were talking about the two quarterbacks. We may not have any. It's like Ohio State may have that problem. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, they uh, you know, they squeaked by a Northern Illinois team that they're not the Jerry Kill Northern Illinois uh, teams, 20 to 13, and even even Urban Meyer um, discussed the, some of his decisions regarding uh, the quarterbacks there. The thing I like about what we've done is that I, and I absolutely love that once Lambert got on the roll, Rick didn't dare. I mean, Rick didn't even talk about his bullpen. Yeah. I mean, he just didn't. I mean, he, he just he's like, you know what? 
until he misses the pass, he's not coming out. <laughs> um, and that's it, that's pretty. Uh, I think it's pretty sound uh, decision making on his part to leave Lambert in there all that time. All right. Well, that is where we stand now. And also, I'd like to thank both of you for not, not, neither one of you mentioned the Illinois North Carolina game. Oh. I am appreciative of that. Uh, I have nothing more to say about that game other than, all right, so it, we're back to six wins in the truth. <laughs> it's just get to six wins, get to six wins. That's all you want. Since I'm a little bit superstitious, since we're kind of ending this up, I mean, I've got to do this uh, for our pick 'em contest. It's it's kind of amazing. We all didn't do very well. I checked all of ours for week three. But when you click that little tab that says overall season standings through week three, Will, I'm going to let you guess. Who do you think is the number one ranked overall person after three weeks in our Pick'em contest? I have not looked at all, but I'm just going to say it's UGA Carey. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> She's got a 30-8 and one-loss record with 217 points. And, uh, hey, hats off. It's, it, it's brought us luck so far, so we're going to keep bringing her up. I think she's holding a sign up at home right now. UGA carry wants Ole Miss. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, now, th- we're going to do another show this week. I'm actually going to be gone this week. I'm going to be back in the homeland of Champaign, Illinois. I am. I will be at the Illinois Middle Tennessee State game, and I will also be poisoning young minds at, at the University of Illinois campus this week. I'll also be at Bush Stadium the night we do the podcast. So I will not be back. You guys will have to go solo without me. And most listeners are like, finally. <laughs> We actually have a couple Georgia people talking mm-hmm. rather than the Illinois guy yakking all the time. But so I will not be on the podcast this week. You guys will be doing it this week. But it's Southern. We figure if there's one to miss, it's previewing the uh, it's previewing Southern. Well, if you could maybe yeah, type up your t- ten facts and just email them to. T- I can do that. I can do that. Me. That'd or be I great. Can, we'll or, read or I can just record. On air. We'll just make the Illinois minute to be. Um Thirty seconds of goat screaming noise. Oh yeah, it's all. I mean, like it's worth noting that I'm not sure they beat Middle Tennessee State the way the Middle Tennessee State played yesterday. But uh, we don't have to. That's not. Uh, haven't we all suffered enough? Thanks, everyone. I will be around to do a post game show on Sunday if you guys are game. That'll work. Have a good one, guys. Cool. Take care. Thank y'all. See you later. And that does it for our week three post game show. Will Tony and I surely appreciate you listening. And if you are listening to us via iTunes, please take the time to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Should you want to reach out to us on Twitter, our handle is at WSLS Podcast. Make sure to enter our Week 4 Pick'em Contest at funofficepools.com, or you can just find it on the georgiasports.blogspot.com website. Have a great week, and we'll see you on campus.